You know, in our Sunday school lesson, we've been doing um, the last two weeks, the book of Job, and uh, it's a very, you know, Job is a, and that's, I'm not, that's not my sermon, this is an advertisement for Sunday school, okay? Uh, but um, come and uh, listen to, because there's a lot of things we can learn about our life and about di- disasters and difficulties, and one of the things was uh, Job uh, did not sin with his with blaming God foolishly. You know, sometimes there's this, and then he tells his wife, shall we receive good at the hand of God and not evil? So he has this understanding of God and of difficulties that come into his life, and he doesn't change his attitude or his perspective of God when he has everything and when he has nothing. And also we learn that Satan cannot do anything without permission. So that's also in there. So that's Sunday school in the book of Job. This morning, we are, I am continuing the um, Sermon on the Mount, and the first scripture that I want us to look at is Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Uh, I've been trying to kind of understand the, you know, I mean, you always try to understand the scriptures and put them in context and things like that. But for the Sermon on the Mount, we are seeing Jesus coming, uh, you know, off the 40 days of fast in the beginning of his ministry, and he started to call a few of his disciples, and he's got a large gathering, a somewhat large gathering around him, and he then proceeds to go up on the mountain so that the people who are kind of stragglers say, you know, I don't want to go up there, and he, the people who are wanting to hear him follow him to the mountain, to the, this, what is called the Sermon on the Mount. And while they are there, Jesus is trying to teach them a whole new perspective of the Ten Commandments, of the law, of what the law and the prophets have said unto them. And so he, he's beginning to put this together for them. And this is the initial, these are the initial foundational principles for Christian, for Christian faith. And I thought I would start with Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. I am the living one. Now, Jesus is starting from an eternal perspective, okay? He knows who he is. He knows why he's here. But somehow he has to get the, his followers to understand who he is and why he's here. Same principle for us. What is God up to? Why is God with me? Why am I here? <laughs> and why am I facing this and that? Well, we want to be like Job. We don't want to charge God foolishly. But we we want to see who it is that's speaking to us in the word, and it is Christ. He says, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Death and Hades are all held by me. I have that authority. So let's go back to the uh, Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus Jesus has a perspective. He's God. He has a perspective of this whole situation. How does he get his disciples to go from this and in three years (laughs) become the foundation of the church and Pentecost and Jesus the Messiah? He's got three years to do this. And this is where he starts. And this part is um, the importance of the law and the prophets. Now, well, we're going to read this and I have... I have a lot to go through today, but it was exciting. I like this. (laughs) I only have 21 pages. 
One o'clock sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> I always tell a joke when you start, I have 21 pages, but it's no joke. <laughs> don't, Jesus says, talking about the law and the prophets, don't think that I have come to destroy or abolish the law of Moses or the teachings of the prophets. I have not come to destroy them, but to bring about what they said, fulfill them. Complete them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth are gone, not one, even the smallest letter, one jot, or the smallest part or stroke of a letter will be lost or passed away until everything has happened that has been accomplished. Therefore, whoever refuses to obey uh, my commands and teaches other people not to obey my commands, they will be the least important. In the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys the commands and teaches other people to obey them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you that if you are no more obedient than the teachers of the law, the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So he's setting up here, the, the, the people have, the followers of Christ, they have this um, understanding of the law that has been taught to them by the scribes and the Pharisees. And those individuals have, Jesus is saying, they have no spirituality at all. They got all these rules and regulations, and unless you're more spiritual than them, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven, all right? But notice that when he says, I've not come to destroy the world, the, the law, but um, I tell you the truth that, that heaven and earth, I did not come to destroy it, the law of Moses, the law of the prophet. I did not come to destroy it. The I am that I am, okay? The I am, and it's the law of Moses. Whenever we hear God speaking to Moses and calling Moses, and Moses says to God, who shall I say called me? What does God say? I am that I am. And so here we have Jesus, who is the I am. I am the bread of life. I am the word of God. I am to be Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am. Jesus is the I am. And he's telling these his followers, I didn't come to destroy the law of Moses. I'm the one who called Moses. Okay? So, Jesus is leading his followers then from where they are. He wants them to move on. So they have to have a starting place. Well, our lives... We can't start anywhere different than where we are, okay? We can't be anyplace else. We have to come with who we are, our understanding, our experiences, and everything that we have. And Jesus is leading us from where we are to where he wants us to, to be. He's doing that with the disciples. He continues to do it with us. Now, there are, I was thinking of um, two brothers that I know that, one of them, they had, they had whatever, for whatever reason, they had differences and they hadn't spoken in a while. And one of them became sick and was almost, you know, didn't know if he's going to live or die. And you know what? Suddenly all the difficulties that they had between them was not as, not as important as it once was. And they, you know, became, they got back together and so on through this difficulty. Well, Sometimes in our life, we have difficulties that we face that's trying to get us, you know, over or away from the things that have been standing in the way 
of our relationship with God and our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with where we're going. And Jesus is telling the, these guys, these followers of his, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are in the way. Their teachings about the law are in the way. And you have to be more spiritual than them to be great and to be part of the kingdom of God. I mean, this, that's, to, the, to those individuals, they are God. Pharisees and the Sadducees, they dictate all the principles of God to all the followers. And Jesus says, if you're not more religious than them, you can't even get into the kingdom of God. Whoa, wait a minute. That's some heavy stuff there. So Jesus now is um, giving a completely new perspective of being blessed. Okay, we went through this. Um, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You see, we have this, I don't know, uh, this misunderstanding, I think, sometimes of, uh, of, of who we are. And a misunderstanding that we've passed on from generation to generation to generation. You know, They've, the, in some, some circles, they call it the, the generational curse, you know. And what it means is that there are things that we have learned from our family, from our parents. And there's, there are things that we have misunderstood or assumed to be normal. Like the, there are people who are very oppressive. There are people who are, they have a, they're very critical you know, normally they would be individuals, you know, you look at them, well, who in your family was critical? You know, well, my aunt was so critical, you know? Or a spirit of bitterness or hatred or racism or this religi religiosity. You know, we have come from a religion that has been passed down from the first century, you know? And so they use, and it's like th there's this oppressiveness that keeps people from actually seeing where they're at in their relationship with God. And God is using life to cause us to open our eyes, and he's using these, this, this Sermon on the Mount here to tell these followers who are there on this mount with him, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I mean, this is, this is, this is new stuff. They don't have righteousness, they just have laws. Obey the law and you're okay. And Jesus, no. Hunger after it in your own spirit. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I mean, no. Blessed are those in power, because they shall squelch those who are not in power. That's the system. Jesus is saying no. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are ye when men shall revel you persecute you for my sake. It's like, you know, this is all new to them. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. See, this is revolutionary. Matthew 5, 17 says, Think not that I am come to destroy the, Lord, the, the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one little, one little, 
one title, there it is, shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men, uh, he shall call the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great. You see, did you know, oh, one person told me I shouldn't sit on the altar. I don't know, but I can always sing as you're all on the altar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, that uh, the laws, okay? Did you know that there are, there are God's moral laws, which are the Ten Commandments? There are civil laws, and there are ceremonial laws. So in the Jewish system, there are three laws that are primary parts of, the, of, of, of their society. And the religious community got it all backwards because they were taking God's moral law, the Ten Commandments, and then there was God's ceremonial laws, which were involved in the worship, you know, cleaning of the hands and washing of the hands. There was all these ceremonial laws and, you know, wash a person's feet when they come into the house and, you know, all these ceremonial laws that they were to do and to uh, uh, take, take importance of. And what happened was the Pharisees and the Sadducees in that whole period, time period before the birth of Christ, they had taken these civil laws and ceremonial laws and put them on the same level as the Ten Commandments. So we have this, uh, this whole system that is based upon if you keep the laws, you know, Pharisees and Sadducees, if you keep the laws, God will love you. If you break the laws, you're a sinner, okay? Jesus said, don't be like the Pharisee who stands on the street corner and says, God, I thank you that I'm not like that wretched sinner over there, <laughs> you know? They were caught up in the ceremonial and the religious laws and, uh, you know, all those things, and they were how proud they were of themselves. But they had nothing on the inside. That's why Jesus called them uh, whited sepulchers. You're nothing but a tombstone, a tomb full of dead man's bones because all you have is this flagrant... <laughs> keeping of laws that you put importance on, and Jesus has come to bring them back to what the Ten Commandments and why God gave them the Ten Commandments in the first place is to help people love God. So that's what he's telling them here. I want you to understand that I, remember Moses, I am that I am. Jesus says I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. You see, so Jesus was there with Moses. I am that I am. He gave him the law. Now Jesus is here teaching these followers of his what the law was really about. And if you don't have any more faith in religious relationship than the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you're nothing. And in their society, the Pharisees and the scribes and you know, Sadducees, they were on a high plane. That's what they were considered. or They put themselves up there, and Jesus is saying, no, no, guys, you got it all backwards. They got it all wrong. And in our life, 
We want to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. What is the Holy Spirit saying about the Word? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to us about who we are as a person? What was that quote you had, dear, about the, if there's something on your shoulder telling you? You, can, you look it up. Jesus, um, we know that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, somehow, we're kind of like, we, we like to be perhaps like the Pharisees and Sadducees. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We get it backwards. Keep, my, keep God's commandments and he will love us. No, no, that's wrong. I love God. God loves me. I will keep his commandments. Now, what, it really, what is it saying? The agape love, God's love, the sacrificial love, it is a term referring to love, the highest form of love, the love of God for man and of man for God. When we say that we love God, we are being reflective of God's love for us. And we keep his commands because we understand that his commands, okay, his commands are to protect us and provide for us. I think we mentioned in Sunday school uh, the command, you know, okay, don't give out your mother's maiden name and your social security, social security number to somebody on the phone. Don't do that. Why? It's a command. I'm commanding you not to do it. Why? I'm trying to protect you. God says, don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't lie. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Why? He's trying to protect us. So God is trying to protect us. So if you love me, if you recognize the sacrificial love of God for us, and we, we reflect that love back to God, we will keep his commandments because he's telling us, don't hurt yourself. Don't cause strife in your relationships. Don't do those things. So if you love me, Jesus says, you will understand that I have given you my commands to protect you. You will keep my commandments. If you love me, you're going to understand that I love you and I don't want, to hurt, I don't, I don't want you to be hurt. So therefore, don't go robbing a bank. <laughs> don't go play in the street. Don't go jumping off cliffs <laughs> with, with not a parachute. You know. <laughs> don't do those things because you're not going to make it. What does it say? You see, if, if the voice in your head and over your shoulder is ripping you apart, and, and that, that's not God. God can, God can point out our failures and what we need to increase, but he does so because he loves us. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And what God is saying is, I love you, and I have prepared a place for you. I have prepared a way for you. I go before you. And make the crooked places straight. The, the valleys I made them low. And the mountains I've taken down. I've gone before you. I have a plan. I have a purpose. I have, I have promises. I have all these. See, I love you. I've done all this for you. Now, you have one responsibility. Love me. And keep my commandments because this is the way. Walk ye in it. 
This is the path of righteousness. This is the path by way we find our way to heaven and to the, the best things in life. They come from God. John 14 says, If you love me, you will obey my commands. Then, verse 16 says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter, another helper, another counselor. I'm asking you to obey my commands because I'm going to send you someone, someone just like myself, the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit and he will explain all these things. He'll give you understanding. And I will ask the Father and he'll give this to you and um, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to speak truth to us. Truth brings life and light and purpose, faith, strength, love, forgiveness. See, the world can't accept this. Verse 18, I will not leave you alone like an orphan. So never feel all alone, no matter what has come, problems come to separate you. Um, so, Jesus answered, if my people love me, verse 23, they will obey my teachings and keep my commandments, basically, because my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. So God is wanting us to see this perspective. So here's Jesus telling the disciples and all these people who gathered up there, I didn't come here to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. And I've come to teach you that the law was given so that you could understand God. And it was God's way of helping you to understand him. To them, the law was these rules and regulations that were so overwhelming and so difficult, nobody could do it. So Jesus is telling them these things, and he says, keep my commandments. Hang on to, hold on to them, save them, retain them in your heart, write them upon the doorpost of your home, and obey them is follow them, observe them, submit, comply with, act upon. So these are the laws that God has given us. And he says, in, in, verse, in Isaiah it says, this is what the Lord who saves you, the Holy One of Israel says, I am, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to do what is good, who leads you in the way that you should go. Hmm. <laughs> so God is, has a purpose of leading us in the way that we should go. We make decisions. And what governs our decisions? What we want or what are the commandments? I mean, you know, love God and do as you please. Because if you love God, you will only do what pleases God. So you will do what pleases God. So verse 17 of Sermon on Matthew 5. Don't think that I've come to destroy the law. I didn't come to put an end to the existence of the law by damaging it or attacking it. I didn't come to destroy it, the law of Moses or teachings of the prophets. Now... God's moral law, God's civil law, 
and God's ceremonial law. It's important that we understand that there are three of them. Ready? Um, I'll skip a bunch here. The ceremonial law. The ceremonial law was uh, relatively specifically to Israel's worship. You know, the customs of Israel. You know, we have Labor Day. We have uh, Memorial Day. These are the customs. We have the 4th of July. These are America's customs, you know, celebrating holidays. And they have Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, these are the customs of the nation. The um, instructions on regaining or remaining or maintaining a right relationship with God. You have your customs of sacrifice and so on. Um, these specific regulations were meant to distinguish Israel from their pagan neighbors. God instituted these customs to make them different than their pagan nations, the pagan people around them. God has given us his righteousness that we might be different than people who don't believe. There's a reason for that. The second is the civil law. Now, all civil laws are all moral laws except the Ten Commandments. Include everything from murder to restitution for a man gored by an ox. <laughs> uh, everyday things going on. The responsibility of the man who dug a pit to rescue his neighbor's trapped donkey. I mean, these were all good things. So um, they were... In Deuteronomy, it talks about don't make a loan to your neighbor and then go in his house and take his goods. <laughs> you know? Don't do that. Don't cheat hired servants who are poor and needy. That's civil laws. Parents must not be put to death for their children. <laughs> yeah. Children must not be put to death for their parents. <laughs> okay, that, that's, that's the civil law. Do not be unfair to a foreigner, to an orphan. Okay, see, these are, these are civil laws. And then moral laws, they are the Ten Commandments, a direct command from God and requires direct or strict obedience. So moral laws are based on God's holy nature, and we are still bound to it. It didn't change. The Ten Commandments are based on God's holy nature, and we are still bound to that. This is what God says is right and true, and you can't, you can't, you can't break it. You do, and you're breaking the covenant, the, the relationship that God has with you. So don't think, verse 17, don't think that I've come to destroy or abolish the law of Moses or the teachings of the prophets. I have come not to destroy them, but to bring about what they said. You, you know, when I looked at these two verses, I thought, how on earth are you going to get anything out of these couple of verses? And then whenever we're going through it, it's like, oh, oh. Do you know what? Do you know what was one of the least of the commandments? You know, one of the least of the commandments was that when you were going down the road, and you were hungry, and you found a bird and a nest and little birds, chicks. You could take the little chicks, but don't harm the mother. 
That was the least of the commands. Why? Well, so it'll go well with you in the land. Hello. God was giving these simple instructions about what they should do and not do to, keep, to protect their environment and protect the future generations of birds that they would want to eat. <laughs> so if you're going to have eggs, don't kill the chicken. You know, you can take the eggs, but don't kill the chicken. That's basically what he's telling, you know. Well, aren't these people smart enough to know that? No. You would go, you know, you go to El Salvador in rural, rural Central America, and people don't know that they should have a chimney because they've never seen a chimney. They don't even know what a chimney is. You build a fire and you put it in your house and you cook on it. Well, what about all the smoke in your house? Well, that's just what happens when you have a fire. But somebody comes along and shows them a little pipe out the back that goes up and takes the smoke out, and it's like, whoa, you're a genius. God helped the people get things going. All right. So Jesus says, I tell you the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I tell you the truth, but until heaven and earth are gone... Not even the smallest letter, the smallest stroke of an emphasis of a letter will be lost until everything has happened or been accomplished. Jesus says that every jot and tittle of the law, little emphasis, will be completed. Jesus doesn't come to destroy the law. Jesus has come to help us recognize why the law was given. Then, he goes on to say, the law makes you aware of the things that are wrong, but the Spirit comes to give you strength that you would not feel burdened by the law, but you would be able to overcome. You see, so when Jesus is saying, I didn't come to destroy the old covenant, I've come to fulfill the old covenant. And, you know, and one of the things is, well, doesn't the commandments say, uh, you know, the Sabbath day, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy? Well, there's denominations and people that say, well, you know, we're breaking the Ten Commandments. Well, Jesus says, Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul all thy mind, and others as yourself. Jesus fulfilled the commandments, and worshiping God on Sunday was in celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So in the fulfillment of the commands, he's still, there's still the commands, don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, don't kill, don't bear false witness, you know. Don't do those things. Honor the Lord thy God with all your heart. Don't have any other gods before you. Don't do these things. Do not commit adultery. Don't do these things. Because in so doing, you're breaking God's moral law. And why they were trying to kill Jesus was not because he was immoral, but because he healed on Sunday. They're civil laws, ceremonial laws. And they, at that time, took those laws and made them equal to or greater than the Ten Commandments. And so they put all of these burdens and they took them and they expanded on them. Jesus walked through a crop with his disciples and he pulled off the head of grain and they were going to kill him for harvesting on the Sabbath. <laughs> Jesus, you, you, know, you guys are nuts. <laughs> 
you've taken this too far. And so in our life, there are things that we've taken too far. There are, you know, anger, bitterness, <laughs> getting even. This is the way we've always done it. This is who I am. Jesus is saying, no, this is who I am. And I am giving you my grace and mercy so that you will have strength to stand in your relationship with me. And should you be like Job, everything goes and all of our life seemingly is a waste, I still will not sin with my charging God foolishly. I will keep my faith and believe that God will give me the words and the wisdom to interpret life, not because I got it all together, blessed are the poor in spirit. I don't have it all together. I need God's help. <laughs> See? And the all those people around them, they had these Pharisees and Sadducees and rules and regulations. They had them up on this high pedestal. And Jesus says, if you're not greater than them, you won't even make it to the kingdom of heaven. So it's like, wow, we can never be that. And Jesus says, no, this is the why I gave you the commandments. They have it wrong. Christ loves us. He will not destroy us. Anything he brings into our life by permission is for our growth and for how that God will show himself to be God in our lives and in our society and in our world. Amen? I did it! Almost. So, wasn't that interesting? You have to say yes, I'm the preacher. <laughs> God's moral law, there's three laws. It's not just the Ten Commandments. There's moral, civil, and ceremonial. And so whenever they, they didn't just take the Ten Commandments, they took all the other commandments and blew them out up in the 1800 rolls. So. But Jesus isn't come to put a measuring stick next to us. He's come to change our hearts, open our minds, our understanding that we might see him more clearly, serve him more completely, and allow his purpose and will and strength to be used through us. Shall we stand? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how you came and taught us, taught your people not to destroy what was given to them by the law and by the prophets and by Moses. But you came to fulfill it. And God, you've come to fulfill your call upon our lives. That no matter what we see, no matter what we feel, no matter what we've been taught, no matter where we've come from, no matter what our perspective, that it is really you, Lord, who gives us the right perspective of life and of ourselves and of where we are to go and grow from here. So, Lord... We surrender all. We surrender it all to you because, Lord, it's all yours anyhow. Our thoughts, our lives, our future, who we are, 
what we own, what we don't own, what we desire, what God, it's all yours. Guide us in the path of righteousness for your namesake. You are the light of the world. You are the breath of life. God, you are the beginning and the end. We are your child. We ask you. You promised if we ask anything in your name, you will seek ask to the Father and you will give it to us. We're asking, Lord, for your will to be done in us, in earth, as it would be in heaven. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.